Today on the Kyle and Kasanoff Show, Bryce Harper signs, Jason Witten unretires, we've got the NHL trade deadline, plus it's the collapse of the Showtime teams. Lakers and Celtics bottom out. Right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kasnoff show. How you been, Kyle? Been good. It's it's uh it's good to be back in the studio for sure. And uh, you know, it's it's been kind of a down sports month for sure, but you know, we still have a lot to get to. Um I think we should start right off the bat the news that just broke today. Bryce Harper has finally signed a deal. He signed with the Philadelphia Phillies as I expected as as many as many in the baseball world expected, uh, 13 years and $330 million. It will keep him under contract with no opt-out for either side until, what's 13 years from now? 2032. He'll be 39 years old. It's a crazy length to ask for from a player, and and I, I don't know. I, I don't see... I want to know what your thoughts are here. Obviously, this is a monster deal. It's the largest deal in, in baseball history in terms of total no- amount of money being paid out. It seems a little bit much to me. All I have to say is, like Bryce Harper, the Phillies are swinging for the fences. Like, this is a – they're just they're – just, I mean, what do you do when you sign a 13-year deal? Is it just like on a wing and a prayer? Right. Uh, it's just, this is an all-or-nothing move. I think it has the potential to be huge for them, or it's going to be just the biggest white elephant in history. And the Phillies are a team that is not too unfamiliar with such white elephants of contracts. Namely, they had Ryan Howard uh, just a few years ago. They finally paid off his monster deal. Um, that really didn't work out for them at all. That was kind of the tail end of their of their rebuild here. Um, and I, I don't know. Again, I, I think 13 years is a crazy amount of time to ask from a player and and I mean obviously like like he's a Philly for life now it's it's got to be sad for the Nationals and their fans cuz he stayed in the division like that's not like that that's not going to be great if he does mash for them this year that's going to be a tough look for the Nationals um having to play him 19 different times um but I don't know I don't know this is just way too much money Bryce Harper's the most overrated player in baseball history in my opinion he had one really really good year and I mean, he's in in the other years that he's been almost MVP level. He's gotten hurt and missed half the season. So I mean, really, since 2015, he hasn't been an MVP player, and not nearly a player that's worth this much money. I don't really think anyone in baseball is worth this money, aside from maybe a Mookie Betts. Um, well, all I can say is he'll be laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, absolutely good for him. I mean, <laughs> and then down to the Cayman Islands. Exactly. I mean, like. Yes, I would completely agree. Huge, what do you, huge for Bryce. What do you do when you sign a three hundred thirty million dollar contract? Um, do you just like go and like get like a stack of like like ten grand from the bank and just like light it on fire because you can? Maybe I that mean, could be kind of cool. Like, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> that's a good question. Honestly, like, I I have I have no idea. That's just that that's unfathomable to me. Like you go to you like he lives in Vegas. Did he just go down the strip and put it all on black? He could. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that would be completely within his means to do. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't know what the signing bonus is here as well. Like, did he just like how much money is he getting up front here? Because he he may not see any of this money until the end of the year. Like, I. I, I don't know how it works. But how how has he done for himself? Like in in in, term, in his last few deals, has he been on rookie? Uh, I think I, he's I just forget. been he's just been rookie arbitration deals. 
um, up he, until he, now. He's pretty rich, probably. The, like this, this pastor, he made twenty one million. So yeah, he's all right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's, yeah, he's made a ton, but like, uh, he was arbitration last year and this year, I believe, and then before that, it was just a rookie deal. Um, Dude, twenty one million dollars. That's a that's plenty. Even if you don't get the three hundred thirty right. after, even if you retired today, plenty. <laughs> well, it's not all cash, okay? Like, if you had twenty one million in cash, yeah, it's, it's he probably has cash. close to that in cash. I don't know that he has like fifty houses or anything. Like, I, I don't know that he has that many assets. Well, I mean, like taxes and whatnot, you know. Yeah, twenty one. I mean, like, I mean, I guess, but I don't know. He, I, all I'm saying is he, he's already got plenty of money. <laughs> I don't know what that. That's just insane. Yeah, he'll be thirty eight. He'll be thirty eight when the deal expires in 2032 here's what i'm thinking i'm thinking that if, if i have a if i have a deal you know for 330 million dollars with the phillies i'm probably signing a lease on a penthouse apartment everywhere that's in the division right right no i mean i, I get that yeah i mean i think i think harper here he's is he married um yes oh he is i think he is yes oh he doesn't have any kids, though. Okay. I think he is. I think he is newly married. Well, I was gonna gonna say because I heard that some baseball players like they they used to have like girlfriends in like each different city that they would go to. Hmm. Interesting. Because like like in division, you know, they're there like you know twenty nights a year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they. I, I mean, that's that would have struck me as as something more in the NBA than in than in the MLB, but. I, I could definitely see it. I mean, MLB has probably the most grueling travel schedule of any of the leagues. Did you? Know? you uh, by the way, did, sorry. Did you see the picture of Bartolo Colon on his yacht, living his best life, just having a like drinking a stein of beer? I I don't want a team to sign him <laughs> because I don't want anyone to strip him of that life because I think he's really enjoying himself not playing baseball currently. As much as I would love to see him back on the field, I I I, I would never want to take away that amount of happiness that I saw in that photo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, just completely living his best life. Uh, so, are we done with Bryce Harper? You think it's a, what? Like, I, rate the deal. Uh, people are saying it's underpaid. Underpaid. I mean, like, I don't know, like, the, if the AAV might be underpaying him a little bit, but the length of time on this deal way overpaid. Like, I, if I'm the Phillies, I'm offering him six years max. Okay, but so seven years. So max. we were we were talking last week about you know how you said that you could see him doing. You know, like three hundred, like you know, two hundred ninety, three hundred million dollars on an eight-year deal, like, right? Well, it, which, I, which to me would have been a lot more reasonable than this. Well, but to, but that would be way higher per year, right? But I, I think he's, I think he's worth much more as at a higher AAV in a shorter amount of time than he would be roughly getting paid the same amount for the next 13 years. He's not going to put up the same amount of production for the next 13 years. He's going to peak probably the next four or five years, then probably drop off for the last eight or nine years of this deal. Yeah, I mean, I... Given sure, his injury history. And surely there's a there's a baseball team that could have offered him $330 million over eight years because you're betting on yourself, you get the same dollars faster, and... If you do keep that production up, you can sign another five-year deal for what two hundred million. I mean, rumor has it that the Dodgers did offer him more money per year, but a shorter-term deal. And I, I guess Harper just was going for long-term security over over anything else, and just and just turned it down. And I think all along the Phillies were his top choice. Again, it's kind of questionable why they were his top choice. I mean, I presented that you know they have a, a new a, a new younger manager, a, a younger roster, they're a promising team in a big market, but like. 
I don't know. I would have rather gone to the Dodgers personally if if I if I had my say and I had similar deals on the table. But um, that's just him. Huge win for him, obviously. If if I were him, I would have I would have wanted the Manny Machado deal in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's what it comes to. Like, like which deal do you think is better? I think definitely the Manny Machado deal is better. Just by virtue of playing in San Diego for the next 10 years, to 10 if, years if anything else. If I was going to have $300 million anywhere in the world, I'm not going to say San Diego would be the top of my list, but it would definitely be pretty anywhere high. with an MLB team, I'm going to have to go San Diego. Of anywhere with an mm, – uh, you got Miami. Uh, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't want to go to Miami <laughs> – Simply because I think the stadium is not good and okay. no one goes to games. What about Tampa? What about Tampa? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's an intriguing offer, really. Would I trade, like, would I want to be just completely obscure, as obscure as possible as an MLB player? Just completely out of the spotlight, no pressure on you. Yeah, but you join a gorgeous golf club, you golf all the time. Do I really want Tampa, though? Dude, you there's, golf. There's definitely better golf clubs in Boston than there are in Tampa. You golf all the time. Yeah, but you can't golf in Boston in February. But I mean, you can during baseball season. Uh, no, no, you. But you can't golf during baseball season. What do you mean? Why not? Because you're playing baseball. You can only golf in the off season. I mean, you have certain off days. It's, Games aren't until seven o'clock at night. No, okay, come on. I, I could get an early tea time. You're not getting around, and if you got to play it's, it's, baseball, it is interesting though. You know that San Diego, the San Diego ballpark is the second coldest of all the MLB ballparks. Like on average, it's the third. It's the th- fourth most southern of of the ballparks, but it's the second coldest of all of them. No, no, okay, pretty unbelievable. I have to. I'm gonna make the case again for Tampa because Why? It, it's just. I don't know, man. It's just I would rather be in Florida than than California. I feel it's just that would just be better. But the thing is, I don't think that Tampa is an option for many high-profile players because they just don't offer big contracts. No, I know, but we're saying if the contract's there, where would you choose? I would never choose Tampa. That that would be the last. I, I baseball is meant to be played outside. You know, I I, I would never play in ta- like apparently just. I guess San Diego. It's nice because it's like always eighty degrees and it's not too humid. Right. It's a it's a dry heat, as they say. Um, I mean, it's still a little humid, but I mean, if you're gonna make a case for Tampa, wouldn't you make a case for Arizona? No. I mean, I mean, no. like no, 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 no. If no. you're talking about a golf destination, no, I'll tell you why. It's, it's no. Okay, I go San Diego. Okay, I'm going San Diego. That's my final. Um. All right. That that is gonna do it for our our, our baseball discussion. But stay tuned. We have so much more. It's nothing. I mean, I think we just have to stay humble. You know. And... <laughs> we got to make sure we know how to handle success and all those things uh, so we can't change who we are. Welcome back. And while, you know, the NFL offseason is is in full swing, we have the Combine starting up this week. The new season begins, I, I want to say, two weeks from now, and then we have the draft about a month later. So, I mean, really it's a 365-day calendar. But I think, I think maybe one of the biggest – days of that calendar and obviously like like we're still early in this offseason period has to be today because we had the news that Jason Witten all of his behind the mic talent is is being removed and it's it's going back on the field because he's going to return for one season at five million dollars for the Dallas Cowboys to be their tight end this is a wild development I think (laughs) you rarely do you see a 36 year old player coming out of retirement like this let alone a guy like Jason Witten who's Clearly taking a few shots to the head in his career because he doesn't have much left. But here's here's what I like to think about how this went down. 
I like to think that Booger, you know, he was out on the golf course, whatever. He got off the golf course. He, like, drives over to Joe Tessitore's house, and he finds Jason Witten, like, already there having some coffee. And then Booger's like, it's either him or me. And then they wrestle on the front lawn, and then uh, Booger wins, obviously. And then Witten has to call Jerry Jones and beg for his job back. And that's an interesting thought. I mean, I know that I know that the Cowboys talked to Witten about it earlier this season. Um, Wait, but sorry, before we move on, just spot the lie. Like, what part of that doesn't seem true? Um, I would say the part about him begging for his job back because I think I think in like in all seriousness, I think the job was available to him this season if he wanted it at any point. If he wanted to leave the booth. Um, because I, I think the I think the Cowboys I mean they don't really have a tight end and they lack really any receiver depth at all. Um, <coughs> so I mean I, I think I think bringing him back and having that veteran experience, which I think the Cowboys really didn't have at all uh, this year, I, I think I think it's it's going to be a good move for them. Um, my question is, will he just immediately be a captain again? It, it, like, will he have his his full gold patch that he's had for the last few seasons? Absolutely. I mean, Jerry Jones, like you know, when you're a Dallas Cowboy, your family, right? I mean, you've got to be. Right? I, I mean, I think he's respected in the league. But what, what I've read about this is that this is, like, really his bridge to becoming an NFL head coach. But why why do one year in the booth to, like, realize that he didn't want to do that full-time? Like, it seemed to me like that was going to be a career, but it just went horribly wrong because he realized that he's not any good at it. I guess. You well, know? So here's my question. What are they going to do about Monday Night Football? Is Booger going to move up to the booth? I doubt it. Are they going to get another guy in there? I doubt it. I I want I, I see them going completely in any other direction, and whether it's uh you know a Rodney Harrison maybe, whether it's I don't know one of the other NFL Network guys, what if they whether it's got, Nate Burleson or or one of those guys. What if they got Rondé Barber? Um, what I like is him. what does he do currently? Is he just a sideline guy? No, no, he's he's like on like the like the four he's, team or whatever at CBS. But I think he's really good. I like him a lot. Yeah, I mean that would be a huge jump, but like, I mean, like, I I don't know. I see it more as I see it more as a studio guy. It being ESPN and all, I see it more being a guy, a guy who jumps from the studio at one of the networks to the booth. I don't really see a guy getting promoted from like a CBS or an, or a, or a Fox because they don't want to lose their guys like that. Um, yeah, but surely they would leave for a, a national audience. Right. I, I mean, they'd still get the net. Like, like I, I don't know. It's like, what do you prefer? Would you rather have the CBS second game or would you rather have Monday Night Football? Well, no, I don't know. No, it's more like, I think Rodney Barber does, like, the third game. Would you rather have, like, Giants at... I don't see uh, him getting the offer is the thing. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's possible. But in terms of, he would take it. I if, I'm like, sure he would take like, would it. Would you being... rather have 49ers Raiders or have, like, the national audience on Monday Night Football? That's just the thing. What if it's 49ers Raiders on Monday Night Football? Because Monday Night Football games aren't that good usually. <laughs> They're yeah, usually but, about the quality of what of, of what your average 49ers Raiders game would be. Yeah, but at least you had the viewership. Right. And so you're, the, you're and the exposure. Yeah. Also, it's just like some announcers might not want that though because they saw how you know the social media world tore apart Witten and Booger all year long. Yeah, but all I'm saying is that in my opinion, Rondé Barber is much better than Witten. Right. So right. I actually just think he's good at his job. And should be given an opportunity to do it at a bigger level I because see I enjoy that. him on the call. I can see that. I just think that, like, I think it's more likely that a studio guy yeah. who's been really successful, like a Rodney Harrison or a or, or a Nate Burleson, will likely get that gig. How many games do you think Witten actually plays this this season? He's like his career was really really good from a 
like being able to stay on the field standpoint. So I'd see him go out there and play all 16 games, to be quite honest with you. He rarely had any major injuries because like he, he had the Ironman record in the NFL for years. Um, I think he played you know eight or nine years consecutively without missing a game. So I don't really see that changing. What do you think that he's a you know go to guy or he's going to be a you know third snap? He gets no, in? I think he'll be what he's always had, what he always has been. He'll be the like you know the dump off safety valve kind of guy, playing much more of a blocking kind of role. Like I could see him getting five to six hundred yards and you know four touchdowns. Like that's that's perfect. That like of what his role is, that's excellent production from a thirty six year old's tight end. And honestly, that's much better than than the alternative of having you know one of the filling guys that you had this year. Besides the cash, like what's in it for him? Um, I think he just loves football. Like, I, I just think that he went to the booth and realized that, like, he's clearly still in playing shape, and he just he loves that more. He's not ready to give that up yet. Um, so I, he figured he'd just milk his body for all that it's worth in these last you know few years until until it finally gives out. But clearly, football is still his first love, and and he just wants to get out and play. So he's gonna he's got three and a half million as a base salary plus another possible one and a half in incentives. Do you think that that's more or less than he was making at ESPN? Um, I'm going to say that's less, to be quite honest with you. Really? You yeah. think first year out of football, he's making more than $5 million? I would say at least $5 million, yeah, for that Monday night gig. I mean, it, it, was probably multi, it was probably a multi-year deal, if I had to guess, that they probably just you know bought him out after one year. I, I don't know how TV contracts like that work, but I'm going to guess that it was at least $5 million for the one year. That's just my guess. B- because he is a high-profile recent NFL retiree, he played for the Cowboys. He's a he's a he's a you know a recognizable face in the NFL. He's very well respected. Um, I think that's that's probably where that number came from. If, if it had been a lesser, if it had been Booger McFarland, definitely less money because he's not that recognizable face that Witten was. Dude, I don't know what you're talking about. I love Booger McFarland. That guy, I. I, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan as well, but I had, just, I had I never, I had it. never heard of him before he did Monday Night Football. Oh, absolutely not. Right. But I like that a guy named Booger is proud of that. He is proud of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I personally wouldn't go by that name, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's funny though, like, cause I remember he was doing an interview or something, and he talked about how, like, because, <laughs> like, on his, on his, like, because I was looking up on his Wikipedia page, I'm like, how did he get this name? And apparently, like, it was kind of like a disparaging nickname for him as a kid that just kind of stuck with him. But, he, but, like, he went on on uh, part of my take, I believe, and he said that it was all a lie or something that he like he basically gave it to himself, and it was like there was nothing negative about it, but he just. He kept it. I'm like all the. I mean, all, all the power to him, but it's just Wait, kind of a bizarre nickname. Sorry, that's not what I understand. What I understand is that the kids started calling him Booger when he was like whatever little kid, nothing kind of guy. But then, like all of a sudden, he's you know Booger McFarland, like high school champion, whatever. Like he's kind of the big man on campus, and he goes to play like D1 football, and then like. And now it's kind of funny that he's called Booger because, like, he's not that kid anymore. What his Wikipedia page said was, like, he he had, like, like a, like a almost like a mental health disorder where he, like, was constantly picking his nose. No, that's just blatantly false. Right, exactly. But it said that on his page. And, like, him doing that as a kid, like, led people to, like, na- like, like make fun of him and call him, call him the name. But he just kind of stuck with him. And he was just like, yeah, that's, that's wrong. That's, that's unbelievable. Wrong. <laughs> All right, here's my question. Kyler Murray, he's officially 5'10". Where's he go in the draft? Uh, I think he could go to the Patriots, honestly, at 32. I think he could slide that far. Um, just being like, I don't know, like just basing what happened to Russell Wilson in the draft, Russell Wilson 
was a great college quarterback. I would say he's probably the closest comp to Kyler Murray. Um, among NFL quarterbacks, they're roughly the same height, roughly the same weight, or at least they were at the at the, at the time of the combine. Um, Kyler Murray is a much faster quarterback than than Wilson, um, which could factor in. But he's got small hands. He's the opposite of Josh Allen. He's got really small hands. Um, he's about an inch shorter than Wilson. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It's tough to compare any, really anyone to Russell Wilson because of how unbelievable. Should Wilson he is. fall that far? You, you're saying the Patriots take yeah, him? I think he falls that far. I don't think there's a lot of teams this year that are QB needy, but I think the Patriots are one of them. Um, and I see. I don't see Murray as any better than um, a Will Greer or a Dwayne Haskins coming out, who are presumed to be the top two quarterbacks picked. Um, and I mean, like, I don't know. Like, the only thing, like, Kyler Murray is such an interesting prospect because I think he's such a wild card. He could go f- like he like the Cardinals could shock everyone and take him first overall. I would not. I would not be completely shocked by that move. Well, okay. So that was the, my next question going to be. Do you think the Cardinals will take a quarterback? No. I think that in what Cliff Kingsbury and Steve kind of said over the past few weeks is that Rosen is still their guy. And um, that's who they want to build their offense around. And, I mean, like, you could make the case for, I mean, Kingsbury obviously is a new head coach. Like, trading Rosen for another talent, maybe like a Rob Gronkowski. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like a guy, a guy like that, a guy to help your uh, your offense in in other areas, and then drafting Kyler Murray in addition to that. Why would you ever trade for Rob Gronkowski? Uh, let let me let me make my case here, and then you can respond. Okay, he is the definition of clutch, right? But unless you have a Tom Brady quarterback who's gonna be clutch every time when the he thing needs is we to don't be. know that. Uh, sorry, I'll let you finish. He, unless you have a Tom Brady quarterback who's gonna be clutch. Like I could understand why the Packers might trade for him because Aaron Rodgers could find him when when it's in need, right? Or but I don't if you've got an average quarterback, which realistically that's what Josh Rosen is. He's an average quarterback. Why would you trade for, you know, Josh for for Rob Gronkowski if you're not going to be in the situation when you need him to be clutch? Rob Gronkowski is clearly not in the physical shape to be like a go-to receiver. He clearly can't do that. But he is still skilled enough to be there when it matters. So you only make sense it only makes sense to trade for him if you're gonna be so somewhere where it matters. I guess like because we've never seen Rob Gronkowski really get thrown to by anyone else other than Tom Brady, like we don't know how he'd perform outside of that system. Um, and I, it, it begs the question as to who's more important in terms of their, in terms of their legacy and, and their importance of, of, you know, like the, like the on-field production, whether it's, it's Gronkowski that really made Brady better or, or whether it's the other way around. And, you know, I mean, like you put him on a team like Arizona and will it be that Rosen just can't find him and, and he's not putting up any numbers at all? Or, or, or will it be that Gronkowski really elevates Rosen's game as kind of this like reliable target where he can throw to anywhere on the field and like just let him go up and get the and well, make plays. So what I'm saying is that I think that maybe young Gronkowski could have played with anyone, but Gronk in his current physical condition is he just can't be a go-to I, guy. I mean, I completely agree. I I think he's he's not in the physical shape to be a guy that you invest in, let alone a guy that you trade your hypothetical franchise quarterback for. Um, but it, it was a rumor that was put out there that I, I didn't think was completely unfathomable. I don't even think Gronk would play if he was trading to Arizona. I don't even think he would show up. I think he would just retire. I'm serious. Maybe I mean, maybe he would retire. But I mean, and, and also that would for, be the ultimate boondoggle, also, by the way. Also, I mean, also for Arizona, like, 
they're familiar with him. He went to the University of Arizona. Um, it would be obviously a huge star player for them to like kind of springboard their rebuild. Whether or not he is a huge part of that rebuild, he's like he's kind of he he would become a face of it, sort of like with the you know like gradual retirement of Larry Fitzgerald. I assume he's gone after this year. Yeah, but I mean, I think Gronk's done after this year. Even if he comes back this year, I don't I don't think he's got more than this year left in him. I mean, again, I would never trade for him if unless I had guarantees that he would play for multiple years. Like like. Unless I had extensive negotiation with him, and, and he, you know, essentially promised that he would not retire. I mean, can you can he even guarantee that? Like one hit, and he could be done. Right. I, I mean, like I mean, obviously he's injury prone, but that's just part of football. Like, he, I mean, you can say that about anyone, but um, that's just the nature of the yeah, sport. But, I mean, same Gronk with Tom Brady. Did the Patriots invest in Tom Brady? Because at the end of the day, one hit in Tom Brady's career is officially over. I would say, um, but they're still going to give him a multi-year extension, I presume, in the off season. But you never know. Yeah, but I mean, I I just think Tom Brady is a, is slightly less vulnerable than you know a six foot five tight end. I disagree. I think Tom Brady is much more vulnerable than Gronkowski is being the forty two year old quarterback that he will be at the start of the season. Yeah, but he's but Gronk, you know, theoretically Tom Brady's in the pocket and you know he's got some protection, whereas Gronk is literally you know going out there and getting run into from right. all every it's, which way. I, I, think the, I think the difference is I think Gronk is much more of a like slow, gradual, like worn down kind of process where like hit after hit after hit and eventually it just takes a toll on him. Whereas Brady, I think it's he goes from not getting hit at all to just one massive hit and it's over. I think it's yeah. just kind of a different I mean, when circumstance you're, there. When you're as big as Gronk, just getting up is hard. Yeah. I mean, like it was like evident. It was evident that he had lost a step on the Miami miracle. Like that was just it. Like, like he, like he was sitting out in center field. He had, you know, a 20 yard advantage on the guy yet still couldn't catch him. Um, that's when it was evident to me, at least that he had clearly lost a step, but, but he could still catch. He could, he, he could still catch. He had the two biggest catches of the playoffs. So yep. I mean, like, you know, all, all the power to him. What do you think that, what do you think his bionic arm is doing for him? Um, I don't know if it's more of like a stabilizer. Um, cause I think when he runs, like his arm is pretty much locked at the forty-five degree angle, <laughs> based on that, so I like I think he just I think it limits his mobility, sort of, but like I, I think it just serves more much more as like a comfort kind of stable. How is he allowed to play with that? Um, I I bet you there's like that's a good question because like w- like could he just like whack someone with it? In yeah, the yeah, I feel like that would, that would just kill. <laughs> right, but like yeah, I don't know. I, I guess there isn't any any. Like restrictions on it, and like I mean, I mean, we saw like we had like we've seen similar like players wear stuff like that, like like Tyron Smith in Dallas wore a knee brace on his elbow because his elbow is so huge. <laughs> like that. that would cause some damage as well, especially for someone who's like you know blocking to the extent that Tyron Smith is, like just with that thing in your face all day. Um, but yeah, you I, need I, to get I, caught in someone's face mask. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that there is any any restriction on it, but it could be it could be more or less a weapon, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens this offseason. We are going to take another break, though. When we get back, we've got NHL trade deadline coverage. That's a hockey, you know. It's only it's only game. Why you have to be mad? He's a good guy. He may be tired to live here and because here is a November month. It's a minus 32. Could you imagine? It's a eight months in a, eight months in a year snow. All right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kastanoff Show. We're talking NHL trade deadline. The Columbus Blue Jackets, all in. All in. I mean, mean, like, they held on to their two Russian stars, um, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, and they made a number of key moves as— 
what which is what could be seen as kind of a gesture to their two stars that you know they're all in like they care about winning and you know if you want like I think that this is a team to invest in in the offseason because like we care about winning long term essentially and I, and I think it's a great move by them as they're trying to make a like one last you know playoff push hypothetically um, and, and just trying to essentially sell their franchise on their two stars in the hope of keeping them in the near future well I also just think it's a signal to the fan base you know it, it's a signal of no need to wait you know it's not about the draft it's not about this I mean they have two picks at this year's draft which is unbelievable but they're like how many all, how many rounds in. how many rounds is the NHL draft? seven rounds and they have two okay. picks how how is that possible? Have they, they just traded away essentially all they their traded picks? away? I think they have a. I think they have a. I think it's they have like their third and sixth or something like that or, sec or second and fourth. I mean they have nothing. They have no picks. It's um, um but, I mean they're really going all in. And by the way, I mean I think Bobrovsky's gone. He's gonna walk. I think they have some some personality conflicts there. Yeah. But uh. I think I'm sorry, not I think. I bet they'll take another run at Panera and see if they can't extend him. I, I'm sure they'll try on Matt Duchesne, who they traded for, Ryan Dezingle, who they also traded for. They acquired two guys from the Ottawa Senators. Uh Dezingle has said that he would sign for the you know, for the right offer. Right. He's already said that publicly. And, you know, he is an Ohio State guy, so he knows Columbus and he likes it there clearly. Uh so we, it's somewhat of a homecoming for him. Uh, Matt Duchesne actually posted a funny picture on Instagram. He just had a baby, and he went back to Ottawa on a, on a private jet and picked up uh, his wife, his baby, his dog, and uh, in the back of the plane was Ryan Dezingle with all his like <laughs> stuff on his lap. <laughs> now, I mean, like, and, and you mentioned Matt Duchesne. Like, the Ottawa Senators essentially had three high-profile players that they wanted to unload. And they managed to unload all of them. And I, I would say it's, it's a win for the Senators in their in their you know multi year rebuild. And I I don't know. I think that they got a, like a, a great return for all of their guys that that they unloaded. I mean, I think that when you consider the fact that Pierre Dorian really had four players who could walk for free at the end of this season, if you count Eric Carlson, right? I think he got two first round picks. He got prospects. He got roster players. I mean, I think that. He probably made the most of the worst situation. But, sorry, I mean, I ultimately think that the problem is in Ottawa. It's just that they're not going to, it's just not going to happen unless they're really willing to shell out, unless they're really willing to spend to make this a competitive hockey team. Now, moving away from Ottawa and moving into the Western Conference here, the steal of the draft, in my opinion, Matt Zuccarello to the Dallas Stars. Your well, thoughts? I mean, it was a pretty good trade. Yeah. But then he broke his arm. So now he's out for four weeks. He had surgery. Right. So. But I think, I mean, he, he, that's he, not a rental, though, is the thing, right? He, he was, he, he's. No, he's a UFA. Isn't he? He's he, a UFA. Is he a UFA at the end of the season? Yep. It's too bad. He's a UFA. The Rangers also sent Kevin Hayes out west. He's in Winnipeg. Now, I mean, Kevin Hayes is honestly, to me, like such a Winnipeg kind of guy. Even right. Though, just because he's just like he's just got that like big body, like bulky frame. That's what they wanted, right? I mean, essentially just a big body down low. I mean, they wanted a scoring center, which is what he is. Yeah, a really good scoring center. Uh, I mean, uh, people thought that they wanted that they were they were in on Mark Stone because Mark Stone's from Winnipeg. Mark Stone, who ended up going to Vegas, but you know we'll circle back to that. But basically, what happened is is that Winnipeg, you know, they weren't willing to play the bidding war. 
So they just in the early in the morning on the trade deadline, they said, no, we're out. Uh, we're going to go get Kevin Hayes. And, you know, it's believed that Nashville was kind of interested in, I mean, it's believed Nashville was interested in Stone, but they also kind of said, you know, we're going to wait till close to the deadline. They went and they did, they flipped Fiala for, for Grandland with the Wild. That's an interesting trade. Uh, and then they also, they got Wayne Simmons for nothing. I mean, really nothing, honestly. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Brandstrom, who who the Golden Knights gave up in that trade for Mark Stone, they gave up a second-round pick in 2020 that belongs to the Dallas Stars. They gave up Eric Brandstrom and uh, Lindbergh for, uh, sorry, for Mark Stone, who they then, well, it's not official yet, but as of March 1st, I understand they'll be signing him to an eight-year, $76 million contract extension. So they got eight and a half years with Mark Stone. For that is, I mean, it's pretty good. It's it's really good, right? I mean, Mark Stone is, Mark's. I mean, if when you're talking about elite offensive talent combined with elite two way players, you're looking at Mark Stone, Patrice Bergeron, practically end of list. Like those two guys are basically in a league of their own. I mean, it, he's Datsuk like in his ability to. To score and and you know turn the puck over and do all these good things for for his hockey club and, and I, I just think that in Vegas is they've they've got a real chance I know they haven't had a great season but I think if they get hot you know if they get hot with five games to go into the playoffs I think you, no one should want to play them absolutely I mean I and I think also like we see with my Boston Bruins I mean like there weren't a whole lot of East teams who made really any significant moves in terms of like the playoff teams aside from you know columbus i guess on their spending spree but i mean the bruins I, i'm gonna have to chalk this one up as a loss i mean like we talked about it last week the addition of of charlie Col- Coyle and uh, marcus johansson um but they lost ryan donato who i think is a really promising um young forward and, and i think i think what was his it was his first game for the while for the uh, wild he scored an overtime winner so i mean great for him but like i, I don't know i don't see i see ryan donato in the long term being a, a better player than what you're going to get from Coyle or Johansson. I mean, I, I know that they needed a, you know, a second line right wing essentially, but um, I don't know. I think that the loss of Donato is, is going to hurt the Bruins personally. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. And he's a young kid and he's clearly a very skilled player. I mean, I remember I saw Ryan Donato back when he, in prep school, after he'd already been drafted by the Bruins, I saw him come to town and absolutely steamroll my high school team. Uh, You know, I, uh, which I, I was in attendance that day, and it was just nuts to, to watch him play at that level. He, he, just, he went to where, Dexter? He went to Dexter, and he was just clearly too good as a senior at Dexter to be playing high school hockey. And then the Especially next, at Dexter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't need all the talent around him. He could have done it by himself. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, and, you know, I've seen him play at Harvard live, and then when he first, he, when he left Harvard and went to the Bruins, he was electric. He was killing it, absolutely killing it. Sorry, excuse me. He, I think, and you're right, it's a long-term bet, but I think the Bruins felt they needed help now, and that's what you have to do when you want to win now. I don't see the Bruins making a deep run, though. I just really? don't. I don't see it. They're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Yeah, I understand. There that. are, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll get into NBA in a minute, but they're, you know, our, our hope, our, our, you know, last great hope, like, at the moment, because the Celtics aren't going anywhere. But the I Bruins, mean, you know, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, at least. They're currently up right now on the Tampa Bay Lightning, 1-0, closing in on the end nice. of the second. Nice, Which is a huge matchup tonight. But 
they just don't have the depth. And when it comes to the playoffs, if your fourth line can't score, if your third line can't score, which they def- which definitively is the case in Boston, you're not gonna go. You're not gonna make it. I know. I mean, and I know you're a big Maple Leafs guy, but like, you know, the Bruins. I mean, if the season ended today, like, in it probably will end with them playing the Maple Leafs in the first round, as it as it'll all shake out. Do you see them getting past them there in the first round? Well, so here's the thing. Obviously, you know, there's some mental aspects. The Bruins have absolutely had the Leafs number, right? But when you take a look, you know, line for line, it's got to be said that you're probably going to have to give the edge to the Maple Leafs because you look at the three centers they have as their three top centers in Nazem Kadri on the third line, John Tavares and Austin Matthews who are in that 1A, 1B essentially. How... Can you say the with only two lines the Bruins can beat that? Because Nas will score all the goals when he's up against a th- third, fourth line. Even if you know past, even if like Bergeron's shutting down Tavares and Tavares is doing the same to Bergeron. When it comes to depth, I'd way rather bet on the the depth of, of the Leafs because they've shown it. I mean, the the Leafs have Andreas Janssen with twenty goals. They've got. Uh, it's just I. Where where I'm concerned about the Leafs is is on defense. That's what concerns me. And it, uh, it's interesting. Like you talk about, like all the depths, all the depth that the Leafs have. I mean, and the Leafs tonight are at Nassau Coliseum on yep. Long Island. They're it's the homecoming of of John Tavares, who left the Islanders in the off season, and the Islanders have improved. I I think they like are a much better team than they were last year with them. So it's got to be kind of an awkward reunion for him. Well, I think that – oh, sorry, and I don't think. I know two things. They have probably one of the best coaches in the league. Barry Trotz is just a great coach. And they also are getting they're, – they're playing team defense better, and they're getting saves. They're two, their goalie tandem is probably the best goalie tandem in the league right now. And for the last, I don't know, pick a number. And whatever number you pick, you're going to be right. That many years, they haven't had goaltending. And you can't, I mean, except for they had one year with Yaroslav Halak. But, I mean, you just can't. It starts with the goaltending. I mean, the reason the Rangers have been so good for so long until now was, yeah, they had a lot of talent, but they had Hank. And, like, I mean, you look at the, the Kings. They had they won two Stanley Cups, Jonathan Quick. You look at the Blackhawks, three Stanley Cups. They had goaltending all throughout. You know, they had Crawford for some of it. They had... um. Pavlik? No, no, sorry, not Pavlik. What am I thinking? Uh, he went on Anti Niemi. Sorry, they had Anti Niemi. I don't know where I th- found the name Pavlik. Obviously, it wasn't. I don't think it was him. No, I mean I know it wasn't him, but maybe it was backup or something. I don't know how I got his name in my head. But Anti, they had Anti Niemi, who you know was lights out in 2010. Uh, Braden Holpe was huge last yeah, year. Yeah, Braden Holpe basically won it. You know, uh, even you know Matt, Matt Murray. Matt Murray stepping his, up. Yeah, yeah, I mean you cannot win without goaltending. And that's all. Those are all Stanley Cup Finals stuff. But I mean, you, you can't even. You can barely even make the playoffs without goaltending. Right. And I, I mean, they have two. They have two goalies in the top five of goals against average per game. Yeah. Um, which is which is incredible. I mean, I mean, like, and we see like other other goaltending tandems in the league that are you know. I mean, like Carolina's had good had good has had good goaltending this year. I mean, Calgary's had pretty good. Goaltending this year, Calgary Bruins. Has, I'll, I'll, let me say this: Calgary has not had good goaltending this year. They've had a good team, which has saved their goalies. I guess, I guess that's true. And, and, and I mean, the Bruins. Like I said, that the addition of Halak would be huge for them, and it has been huge for them. They, 
they have two top ten goalies as well. Yeah, he's having a big bounce back year. I mean, it. Uh, I think the real interesting thing is what's going on in the East, which is that the Columbus Blue Jackets they shelled out, but they're not even in a playoff spot right now. They lost to the Penguins, and last I checked tonight, they were down in their game. So, I mean, uh, it. It's possible they don't even make the playoffs. Yeah, right now they're tied at the end of two, two two in Philadelphia. They are outside a playoff spot looking in, and it's going to be a battle basically between you know them, Philadelphia, and Montreal for those last two playoff spots. Now, one more NHL thing that I want to talk about quickly. Yeah. The Arizona Coyotes. Yep. Can they make the playoffs this year? They've won four in a row. They're making a little bit of a push here. I think they're three points out of the last wild card spot. Do they have a chance? Uh, all, here's what I'll say. If if the Arizona Coyotes make the playoff this year, their medical staff, they're gonna they should be collecting the Hart, the Ted Lindsay, the GM of the year, coach of the year, the Jack Adams. I mean, the medical staff should get every award at the NHL awards should they make the playoffs. The Arizona Coyotes have had so many injuries, some nights they've only been able to address seventeen guys with their AHL team because they got so many guys hurt with the big club. That they've had to call so many guys up. And the fact that we're talking about them as having possibly playing meaningful hockey right now is unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, like, they had that big shootout win. I think it was the other night. I, I forget who they were playing, but I was watching that game. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. I mean, like, this, this would not be the year that I would have guessed by any means that this would be a team that would be, you know, hypothetically competing for a playoff I mean, spot at this time of the year. They're three points out with the game in hand. So, right. yeah, it's 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 theirs if they want it. As right. a, I mean, not really, but essentially, especially because Colorado is kind of on a downswing. Minnesota is kind of on a downswing. I mean, I, I could reasonably see a scenario in which two of Dallas, Arizona, or Chicago made it and both of Minnesota and Colorado did not. I could right. see that happen. Right. It's just, it's just, it's absolutely wild. I mean, the West this year has been so bad, like just unbelievably bad. I mean, I mean by the way, I just, feel like it's just been a weird year for hockey in general. I feel like there aren't that many standout teams except for the Lightning, yeah, so who are you know twenty points better than than the next best team. Yeah, what's happened <laughs> is, is that the Lightning have just been insane. Kucherov's already got hundred and five points or something stupid like that, and then the middle class has been so big. And there's been there's only been a few real teams out of it, like the Ottawa Senators, basically just them. Right. And the Kings, maybe. Yeah, the Kings have been out of it, but the Blues were out of it, and then they come storming back. Now they yeah. basically look like a lock to make the playoffs. Right. And so, no other year could that really happen. That you really go from the basement, yeah, into you know at Christmas to, it, it's a, it's so rare. I I wanted like I think yeah the the Eastern Conference is definitely better than the West. But I, I don't know. I, I was. But still, the middle class there is so big. It, it it's huge, and like, but I'm kind of disappointed because I was hoping that Buffalo, this would be the year that Buffalo makes the playoffs, but they're just they just don't have enough steam here in the final stretch of the season. Um, can I just? They just peaked a little too early. I can think. I? Can I give a shout out by the way to Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid? Yeah. Those guys are unbelievable. Okay, the fact that I mean the fact that a team as bad as they have in Edmonton was built on purpose, and every night. Those two guys just go out and just points, points, points. Drysaddle's on pace for 50 goals. McDavid, he's going to have another 100-point season easily. It's unbelievable when you consider the just sheer incompetence that surrounds them. It's just, it's actually just dismal. It it upsets me. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's sad. It's 
it's talent that's being wasted. I mean, it literally, it is know? literally wasted talent. You know, they, they could. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot. There's a lot going on here in the stretch run of the NHL season. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna jump into some NBA talk. Um, again, a, another league that's in the stretch run here post All Star break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Can you get in Phil Mickelson's head? Well, I've been in Phil's head for 20-some-odd years. There's no more trash talking than that. Right there. Just look at the W total. All right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kastoff Show. We're talking about the Boston Celtics. I mean, they're just – I mean, is it a dumpster fire? Like, how do you want to categorize it? Now, I think that – this can best be sum- their de- their epic demise can best be summarized by the quote from the Dark Knight: "You either die a villain or die die a, a hero, hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." And Kyrie Irving has lived long enough to see himself become the villain. He talk That's cold a- talk about insufferable. He he literally is just he apart from his play on the floor, he's obviously a spectacular player. He has turned himself into LeBron Jr. with, you know, his constant trolling. He's constantly talking. Like, one day he's talking about how he doesn't want to be here. Another day he's talking about how, you know, like, like he's, he, he's constantly removing himself from the rest of his team. And he's talking about how, like, the shortcomings of all the younger guys on the team. And, and then there was the whole KD to New York w- with him rumor thing at the All-Star break. Wait, that's a rumor? That's not a fact? No, 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 no. Oh, because I just – I assumed it was true. Right. I mean, like – I mean, it's going to happen. At, well, like, honestly, it might happen. And if it does, I wouldn't be that, like, disappointed because – I mean, like, again, if, if, if Kyrie can somehow, you know, shut his mouth – and play basketball and, you know, lead the Celtics to the title this year, which I think is not completely out of the question. Like, it may, like, I mean, they've lost four in a row. It's not looking great now. Then, then uh, like, I, I will retract what I just said about how much I really don't like him at this moment. But for the time being, the last six games that Kyrie Irving has played for the Celtics, they've lost all of them. The last six games that Kyrie Irving has not played for the Celtics, they've won all of them. Okay, but I, I also saw Danny Ainge say, basically, like, people who think we're better without Kyrie are just, like, stupid. Like, the numbers don't support that. I would say that he's wrong. Because, again, this is a team that went to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals and was one really, really bad shooting night away from the NBA Finals last year without Kyrie Irving. You know? That's true. You know? I mean, like, I, like... And without Ainge, Ainge is obviously going to say that because he wants to keep Irving because, like, who would let a guy like that walk? Um, but at the end of the day... Like history, like history is short here in terms of the Kyrie Irving saga. Why was there not more of a rental market in basketball? Like, wh- why didn't Ainge flip him at the deadline for picks? He honestly, he probably should have. Um, he he probably should have. I think he's just he's banking on Kyrie. Like like basically, all signs have pointed at least to Ainge that Kyrie's going to resign in the offseason. Otherwise, I w- I would have seen him dealt at the, at the trade deadline. Um, Presumably, he's already ed- eligible to resign though. Is he? I mean, he, he probably is, but I, I I would assume that this is something that won't happen in, until the summer. Um, but, I mean, and the Celtics are a team famous for standing pat at the trade deadline, and they did this year, because, I, I mean, like, I mean, like, obviously, like, the deadline happened, like, before this, like, recent skid that they've hit, um, and, and they saw themselves as 
an NBA championship caliber team at the time. So they why mess with what works essentially at the time? Obviously, it's not playing up to the expectations that they would have wanted, but at the end of the day, Ainge still see Ainge is still confident that this team can you know make a a late run. But as it's currently constructed and what I'm seeing out there, at least the last four games, I'm not seeing it honestly. So I. I I Kyrie Irving until he can somehow turn this team around, which is his job. Um, I'm not. I'm not on his. I'm not really in his camp yet. Essentially. <clears throat> okay, so just a quick detour. Even if the Knicks got KD and Kyrie, what are the chances they make it to an NBA Finals? Um, I think high. <laughs> I think getting KD and Kyrie immediately makes them the best team in the Eastern Conference. I I would say without a doubt. I mean, obviously, like you'd need a couple more death pieces there, um, but you—I mean, like you already like you have DeAndre Jordan, you have Dennis Smith, who can potentially run a combo guard role with Irving, and then you have Kevin Durant and maybe Kevin Knox is there as the as the four spot. Plus, you'll have Zion. Right. Okay. Oh, I didn't, even, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Like the Knicks are probably gonna have the first pick. I mean, the Knicks are thirteen and forty-eight. See, so I mean, like you're either gonna have Zion or, or RJ Barrett. Like it's oh. it's gonna be one of the Duke guys. Yeah, the dumpster battle. You've got three teams that are just significantly worse than the rest. Where you've got the Knicks, who are thirteen and forty eight. The Suns are twelve and fifty, and uh, then Cleveland is fourteen and forty seven. So I mean, I mean, yeah, like the Knicks are looking at a top three pick, one of the Duke freshmen. Um, yeah, I mean, like, they're looking essentially, like, if, if all that happens, which it won't happen, but it, if all that does happen, they're looking at essentially what the Celtics looked at at the beginning of this season with, you know, veterans in place with, with big money, a ton of youth, um, and essentially all this draft capital from just being bad, whereas the Celtics weren't ever bad, but they had those bad Brooklyn Nets picks. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, like, just high, complete highway robbery. Obviously, it hasn't panned out at all, but, I mean, like, the jury's still out. Who is, who is, the, uh, who is the GM for the Nets who made that trade? God, I can't remember his name. Honestly, he's he's been gone a number of years. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't remember what his name was. Um, man, yeah, what like, a, what do you what think a bad you, what trade. What do you do after that? How do you recover? They haven't recovered. I mean, like this year. No, no, I mean, like personally, how do you recover? Like, do you just get a job set, like flipping used cars? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's probably a Dick Sporting Goods, maybe. Selling basketballs in the corner. Like, would they? I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, like, because, like, because, like, that's not that sticks. That's on his resume <laughs> forever. <laughs> Whether or not he wants it to be, people people will know. <laughs> a quick background search and they'll know. You look this guy up and it's probably on the everywhere. Right. All right. Speaking of guys you look up and they're everywhere, LeBron James, a.k.a. LeBron Blames, a.k.a. Same old LeBron is the worst teammate ever. What a scumbag. I, like when when will the masses you know flip to my my way of thinking and just hate him like I do because he's such a hateable player he's such a hateable player like he's like you know he tries to trade his whole team and then he talks about like are like are you guys like gonna be ready for this like everyone it seems to him that everyone's distracted where at the end of the day when is he going to realize that he is the one distraction on that team <laughs> he he is the reason that they're bad because I mean, he's drinking wine on the bench he's drinking what like he's drinking cheese on the bench and and i i, I don't i don't get it. He, like how do you go from trying to trade your whole team to expecting a sort of team chemistry that would never have been there even if that didn't happen. Like, I, I don't, I don't, he's expecting too much out of his guys. And a, a bunch of guys who've been, a, who've been accustomed to losing for their whole career, the, 
the Lakers haven't made the playoffs since Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard ran the show. Um, and, and LeBron G. And whoa, LeBron, whoa, whoa. So are you suggesting they go get Dwight Howard? That might be the missing link. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> you never know. Okay, you uh, heard he, it here first. That was, as first reported by the Kyle and Kasnoff show. That might be what they need. Lakers and, considering Dwight Howard. And Kobe Bryant. They might need to get him back as well. I mean, what could you how what a way to fix a broken locker room. Well, let's get Dwight Howard in here. Yeah. That's usually <laughs> yeah, that usually goes the other way in terms of like fixing locker rooms. Um but yeah, I mean, like in that you know now infamous clip of of LeBron from the other night when they lost to Memphis, um, just not playing defense at all. He was sitting. He was sitting. I think the best part of the video was he sat in the paint for a guy that was wide open from three. The guy buries the three, and you see LeBron immediately turn to his teammates with his arms outstretched, like how like this obviously wasn't my fault. It had to be one of your faults. And I mean, just yet another example of how bad a teammate LeBron is. And I, I don't think like is this your goat? Like is is this your greatest player of all time on this show? I regret to say that I have I have called LeBron the greatest player of all time. I have too, and I don't regret it. I still think he is. I I really regret it because I think if if LeBron doesn't make the playoffs this year, that his <laughs> legacy is essentially ruined. And I think he how can you be the greatest of all time if you can't even lead your team to the playoffs? But LeBron hasn't even played this year, really. I mean, he's played enough to mat for it to make a difference. LeBron also did the classic like, oh, All Star game. It's a break for all the boys, but not me. I'm working. Yeah, when he got voted I mean, to the All Star game after not playing, right, right. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. He like he's he's so self centered that I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that he would say. You know, I I I just I just don't see I don't see that like that team making the playoffs. I'm rooting for them to not make the playoffs. I think it would be hilarious because you know he's the poster child of the NBA, and I think it's a bad look for the NBA if he's not in the playoffs. And I think that you will see some sort of a game fixing where you know. Th- the NBA does everything in their power to make sure that he does make the playoffs because of what it would mean for, you know, ticket sales and revenue and and all that. I mean, I think the other thing is that when he makes the playoffs, he will turn it on and be really good and the team will probably win. Probably, but it, it's it's just a matter of whether or not like no matter how good he will be able to play, will, you know, the shortcomings of the rest of his team be able to, you know, Is Lonzo still there? Yeah, yeah. What's no, he? he's hurt and and yeah. that's the thing. Like well, that's e- ever Le- since Lonzo's been out, like they've been playing terribly. That's what Lavar said. This team right. will never win without Lonzo, and they haven't won without Lonzo. So I you know, mean, like you know what the solution right. is? Next best thing. Let's get Leangelo in there. Let's get Leangelo. He's maybe Lamelo as well. I mean, yeah, you never know. I mean, I think Lamelo. I think he's been in high school for eleven years. I think it's been roughly eleven years. Um, it seems like forever ago that he was playing in Lithuania, but who knows? Maybe they need all three of them, and that's what you know the missing link is here for this okay, Lakers team. Ready? All I'm hearing is that Ball Brothers plus LeBron, and then I don't know, just get like the tallest dude in the world to play center, and that's a that's a team. Yeah. <laughs> what a funny looking roster that would be. <laughs> and then just have Lavar be the coach. Fire Luke Walton. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I mean, LeBron's already the coach and the GM. Well, I mean, like have have Lavar be like the figurehead then. Just kind of like the face. I would actually pay. I, w- I okay. I get. Let me think about this. I think I would pay a thousand dollars to watch two hours of LeBron James and Lavar Ball trapped in a room together, like a small room. I probably wouldn't pay to see that because I don't think LeBron has any personality whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, but I. Would I would just- pay to see Lavar locked in his room. By himself, <laughs> I think that would be almost more entertaining than watching him and LeBron because I don't really see LeBron reciprocating okay, okay, okay. at all. 
No, no, okay. Here, okay, here's my new scenario, right? Okay. LeBron, Michael Jordan, LeVar Ball, they're locked in a warehouse, right? Like a full warehouse full of like boxes and whatever. In one of the boxes, there's a knife hidden. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Okay. I, I like where this is going. Okay. Right. That I, that I might pay to see. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is that's a pretty. I mean, that's a pay per view event. Right. It has to be. <laughs> I mean, I I would watch it. Uh, who wouldn't? Okay. Okay. Also, let's throw Skip in there. Okay. <laughs> so basically, it's Skip and LeBron. Versus Lavar, and Michael Jordan's gonna be there. Oh yeah, so I, I guess yeah, it'll be two on two. Yeah, yeah, well, no, no, it'll be two. No, no, it'll be it'll be Skip and MJ versus one versus one. Ah, gotcha. Right. So it would be like a hmm. I honestly think maybe Skip would be okay. Okay, I'm changing the rules here. Skip would be there, but not he. You couldn't like stab him. He wouldn't be on the floor. He would like he would be, he would have a microphone that was he would be commentating both to us and LeBron would be hearing it like LeBron would have an earpiece in so so he's kind of like the offensive coordinator no 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 not the offensive coordinator I mean because like Skip is known for like no matter what LeBron does like Skip spin zones that he's worse than MJ and so just to watch two hours of Skip Bayless like telling LeBron how like everything he's doing is worse than what MJ's <laughs> doing like right now I would pay to see that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's must-watch television right there. I mean, that is. That is mu- I, would, I would pay a hefty price to FS1, see that. FS1, if they want to get the ratings up, call me, okay? That's a hefty price. I'll give you my number. Now, would it be too much to ask for Stephen A. Smith to be thrown in there as well? Oh, okay, no, 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 no. That is, like, that's that's the post-game. No, no, sorry, that's, like, the next series where it's Stephen A. Smith, cage match with Skip, and then, oh, who would come? Probably Witten and Booger are commentating ooh, that. Yeah. Ooh. Right? The and greatest then, rivalry in sports okay, but, meets the greatest rivalry in sports. Okay, right? And at any point in time, Witten and Booger are allowed to decide to join them in the ring and will be replaced by Shaq and Chuck mm. in the commentary position. Mm, that's, I mean, honestly, I think we're getting into the territory of there's too many dynamic duelists for me <laughs> to keep track of at this point. You know? Uh, okay, it's not called the Rumble in the Jungle. It's going to be called the... Thrilla in Manila? No, I was going to say... Uh, like, okay, oh, the take quake in, uh, I don't know, Salt Lake. Ooh. Would you do it? I, I, would, I, would, I would go as far to be like, have them do it. If you're going to do it in the Salt Lake, do it on the frozen lake. No, no, have them like all a, be there's out. There's a little island that's only full of animals, actually, in Salt Lake. I say, actually, we just drop them off there, and we Ooh. get some helicopter coverage. <laughs> Whoever and comes out. So it's, it's skip... It's Skip versus Stephen A versus all the wild animals. Wow, I would have to say that Skip. I'm I'm all I'm all Skip in this one. Oh, honestly. absolutely. I'm 100 percent Skip. Skip would recruit the animals. He he would recruit the animals. Would be fighting for like Skip would just be the general <laughs> of the of like the antelope. <laughs> Either way, if we could get a camera in front of that, must watch. But unfortunately, that's gonna do us here. Here at the Kyle and Cast Enough show, it's been another exciting week in sports.